all of you know I'm highly allergic to flowers. Jim used to say, if I really wanted to get rid of you, all I'd have to do is buy you flowers. And that's pretty much the truth. And when I came in this morning, I had a full-blown asthma attack, allergy attack, had to use my rescue inhaler to put a stop to it. And Dave came in and he said, well, let me pray for you. And it stopped just like that. I'm, I'm a little dry, so that's why I was eating a, a mint, but other than that, I'm so thankful that Dave prayed, and I'm thankful that the Lord answered prayer. Amen. Because it was bad. So good morning to everybody. I always say that. I love to. And I want to just say how thankful and happy I am to have a major part of my family here with me today, and also some very long-time friends. Debbie uh, Di Renshaw was in my wedding uh, 48 years ago now. Is that right, Bob, 48 years? We were talking about it the other day. It just, I feel like I'm 30. <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but it was, it was real, wasn't it, Deb? Yes, and Terry was in my wedding as well. I love each and every one of you, and I just thank you. And Christy was in the wedding as well, yes. Yes, we won't tell you how old she was. She was just a little bitty thing. This morning, I'm going to be reading from two passages that may sound familiar, that may, excuse me, not familiar, similar. I'm going to first be reading from Isaiah 5, Isaiah chapter 5, we're going to read seven verses, starting with verse 1. And we're going to be talking about God's vineyard. And then we're going to read from John 15, and we're going to be talking about abiding in the vine. Father, I just ask your blessing today upon this word. I ask your blessing upon every heart. And Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would be that two-edged sword today, Lord Jesus, and touch us with your word. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Reading, starting at verse 1, Isaiah 5. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it. And he gathered out the storm stones thereof, and he planted it with the choicest vine, and he built a tower in the middle of it, and also made a wine press therein. Then he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem and you men of Judah, judge, I pray you, Betwixt me and my vineyard, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done to it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to. I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. I will lay it waste, 
It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. And verse 7, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but, uh, but behold, found oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry. In this passage, Isaiah wrote a song and he sang it to his beloved, to Jehovah, whom he calls his well-beloved. And it's about the beloved's vineyard. And in this vineyard, we read in verse 7, is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the congregation thereof. Isaiah said that his beloved planted a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. He cared for it with loving care. He gave it every possible chance to flourish. He put a fence around it to guard it, to keep out enemies and critters that might destroy or devour it. He removed the rocks and the debris from it so that the soil could in absorb the goodness from the rain and the nutrients that were in it. He planted it with the choicest of vines. He built a tower in the middle of it to keep a watchful eye and guard over his treasure. He made a wine press in it to extract the wonderful juices from the ripened grapes that would surely grow. And he fully expected that it would bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth only wild grapes. The Bible commentator, Matthew Henry, says that wild grapes are sour, inedible, and entirely useless for making wine. The original Hebrew for the word wild is translated stinking and worthless, things that are fit only for destruction. And rather than producing the good fruits, the fruits of justice and righteous, righteousness, which God expected would come of his vineyard, the people of Israel responded with violence and bloodshed and broke every, God, oh, every one of God's laws and defiled the very land which the Lord had given to them. God established Israel as a model among nations. His desire was for this people to produce fruit for his glory, but they yielded only sin characterized by the wild grapes in Isaiah's song. So sadly, the keeper's only recourse to was to bring judgment on the fruitless vineyard and destroy it. God saw that the wild grapes were sinful and they had to have extreme consequences. Matthew Henry further writes these words, wild grapes, are the fruits of corrupt nature. Fruit according to the crab stock. We'll get to that in just a minute. Not according to the engrafted branch. 
but from the root of bitterness. Wild grapes are hypocritical performances in religion. Did you hear that? They look like grapes, but they're sour and bitter and are so far from being pleasing to God that they have become provoking. Counterfeit graces are wild grapes. Now, crab stock, I wasn't familiar with that word. Crab stock is something that is fake. It is not the real thing. It's said that crab apple trees are used primarily for grafting other edible fruits onto, but not eating because the crab apple fruit itself is bitter as gall. Not only bitter, but the leaves, the stems, and the seeds of a crab apple tree are poisonous because they contain cyanide. As Matthew Henry said, this was planted not according to the engrafted branch, but from a root of bitterness is where the wild grapes came from. God doesn't tolerate fraud. He doesn't tolerate fake. He's not a fake God, and he doesn't tolerate fake gods. Not a fake tree. You remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree because it didn't bear fruit. Nor does he tolerate fake character. By contrast, if you turn to the book of John, Chapter 15, we're going to read eight verses there. Jesus said, I am the true vine, not a crab apple, not a crab stalk that isn't good for anything. And he said, my father is the vine dresser. Sounds just like Isaiah. Every branch in me, Jesus said, that does not bear fruit, he, the father, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes or cleans. The, the word prunes there is translated cleans. It, so he cleans it so that it may bear more fruit. You, you are the branches, he said, and you are already clean. We spoke this verse last week because of the word which I've spoken to you. So abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's what? Thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. Just like God told Isaiah of the wild grapes. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish 
and it will be done for you. We see another clue to asking and praying in the name of Jesus is to abide in him. Abide, stay there, dwell there, live there, move there, and have your being there in him. And verse 8 is the crowning verse of this passage. It says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus spoke these words in this passage to his disciples after the Last Supper, after the Passover meal was done, and they were on the road walking to the Garden of Gethsemane just before Jesus was crucified. He's already done the work of grafting us in. He did it at the cross, didn't he? Yes. He's already spoken the word that made us clean when he chose us and we accepted him in salvation. The Father took note, and he's keeping the conditions just right for us to yield good fruit and thereby glorify the Father. I want to tell you a story. When we were children, all three of us girls are here today, our grandpa could grow anything. He was magic. He would select one good tree, such as his apricot tree, and he would graft a peach tree, peach branch, onto that apricot tree. But not only a peach, a plum, and whatever other fruit had a pit-style seed, he would graft onto that same tree. You guys remember? He would care for that tree. He babied that tree. We weren't allowed to touch that tree. And he put out some kind of white powder all around the tree. He added nutrients into the ground. And he put that black stuff all around and taped it on to the trunk of that tree so that if a wind came, it would stay secured to the trunk of the tree. He so carefully watered the tree. He had, he had a, I don't know what to call it, um, a thing <laughs> that he poked holes in and he laid it at the root of the tree and he turned the water on just right and it just dripped into the soil of the tree. And then he would pick it up and move it to another one and he'd do it there but he'd take it back to the tree with the grafting because it needed more water because it was growing other things than just the apricots. And I will stand here telling you that in the next harvest season, that apricot, would, or apricot tree would not only produce the most beautiful, delicious apricots you've ever seen in your life, but it bore the biggest, juiciest, beautiful peaches and plums and whatever else he had grafted onto that 
tree. Just like God did with Israel, Grandpa made every effort to make that tree fruitful, and it always was. And he had an abundance of fruit, and you, if anybody came to visit Grandpa, you had to take fruit away with you because that was the rule. Jim told another story similar to this a long time ago, but I want to tell it to you again. When we lived in Tulare, where Donnie was born, one day, and I was expecting Donnie, one day, Jim and I had been called to the funeral home to conduct a funeral, and I was playing the organ. We didn't know these people from Adam, but the funeral director called us because there was no one to represent the family to bury these, this man. So Jim officiated the funeral, and I played the organ, big as a barn, and when we got finished, we drove home to pick up the kids from the babysitter. And there was Grandma and Grandpa's truck in our driveway unexpectedly. We did not know they were coming. And Grandpa's truck had the ladder on it, all of his pruning equipment in a bucket in the back of his truck. And when we pulled into the driveway, Jim said, oh, no, he's ruined our orchard. He had pruned those trees to the bare bones. They looked like a bunch of sticks in a row. I said, well, honey, he knows what he's doing with trees. He's, he's done a million trees. I think it'll be okay. Well, sure enough, in a few short months, when that those trees started growing and producing. I would say it was about February when he came and did the pruning work. Those trees were loaded with big white nectarines. If they fell off the tree, it sounded like thunder hit the ground and freestone peaches that were to die for. Mama and Terry came up, we canned Tomatoes when I was expecting, Donnie, 150 quarts of tomatoes, and we canned peaches when I was expecting Donnie. They were so big and beautiful and juicy because Grandpa knew what he was doing with the trees. Jim went back to Grandpa and he told him the story about how he had felt when he drove into the driveway and he thought the trees were ruined. And he said, Grandpa, I want you to know how much I appreciate your knowledge and your wisdom on how to treat those trees because Jim was afraid to even give a little bush a haircut. He, he did not believe in pruning things. Just let it be. But Grandpa knew better. He knew what it would take to produce good fruit. It's such a simple example but it's so true. God, the vine dresser, knows what it takes for us to produce good fruit. He's provided everything just like he did for Israel for us to be successful, for us to prove him, the vine dresser, like Grandpa was proved in our yard in Tulare. And Jesus said, in order to produce fruit, we have to be grafted 
into him. We have to be securely fastened so that when the winds blow, because they do blow, don't they? And when the storm comes, those grafted branches are stuck fast to the trunk. If we don't bear good fruit, chances are we might bear wild grapes. And Isaiah told us what happened to those. They were cut down and burned up. And just like Jesus said, if we don't produce good fruit, the Father takes it away and burns it up. Will you stand with me? I want us each, usually I, I'm the one that ends in prayer, but I want us each to ask the Lord to look at the substance of our fruit bearing, to look at what we've produced and look at it in a way that the vine dresser knows. Is it judgment? Oh no, it's love. Just like grandpa cut everything off those trees so that it could grow new, so that it could be beautiful and a good producer. Let's ask the Lord to look at our fruit. And if we need pruning, and we need whatever it is that the vine dresser does, that we're willing to let him do that. Will you ask him this morning? Father, we're so thankful that we can trust you. We're so thankful, oh God, that you know us. You know us in the womb, Lord. You told so many, I knew you before you were born. And God, you know what our capacity is for growing fruit because you created us. Oh God, we want, my heart's desire, oh God, is to produce good fruit. Oh Lord, I looked around yesterday at the beautiful lives that were here, that were fruitful for you, Lord, that we can say, oh God, they've borne fruit and they've remained grafted to the tree. They've remained abiding in the vine and the vine is abiding in them. Oh Lord, I want to be one of those. I want to be, Lord Jesus, one that people look and say, oh, He's abiding in her. He's abiding with her day to day. And the fruit I produce, oh God, is only good fruit. Take away, Lord Jesus, anything, anything, Lord, that should enter in. Oh God, I've prayed many times over the doorposts of my house. Nothing comes in here, Lord, but that you would be pleased with it, that you would be glorified by it, Lord. And it's the same with the doorpost of our hearts. Oh, God, we ask you to touch. We ask you, Lord, to reveal things that we need to get out, that need to be pruned away, and just stand before you and say, Oh, Master Gardener, just go for it and do the work in me so that I produce good fruit. Oh, we ask these things, Lord. As your humble people, Lord, not stiff-necked and not sinful people, oh God, like Israel turned, oh Lord, but we lift up, we lift up our God, our vine dresser and our branch in whom we abide in Jesus' name, 
Lord, we ask that you go forth with each one. Father, I pray a special prayer of blessing over Sister Watson. We call her name every day, Lord, and I pray that you would give her strength. I pray, oh God, energy. I pray, oh God, her blood to be potent and full of good things to nourish her body, Lord. We ask these things, your blessing and your covering as we go forth from here in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.